Well, hello. Welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome for the first time. Claim the Stage is a podcast all about public speaking for women, and we talk about everything. We go into the psychological part, we go into the planning, the storytelling, the audience, the clothes, the feedback, everything. So if there's anything you want to know about public speaking, we're covering it. And if I haven't covered it yet, but you want to hear about it, definitely let me know. You should email me at Angela at SpeakerSisterhood.com. I'm Angela Lucier. I am your host. I'm also a professional speaker and author and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood. We're going to talk all about the Speaker Sisterhood today, as we did in the last episode. I hope you enjoyed episode 50, my one-year anniversary episode. We are continuing the fun today with another action-packed episode from the behind the scenes or behind the curtain of the Speaker Sisterhood. I want to give a shout out to the Speaker Sisterhood of Northampton, Massachusetts, my club, where we come together twice a month, uh, 15 of us, and practice public speaking. Now, in today's episode, you're going to hear three speeches from the members who volunteered and said, yeah, sure, I'll be part of your podcast. So thank you. Um, (laughs) And you'll get to hear their speech and then you'll get to hear an interview with them after their speech where I talk about why they chose that subject, what it was like to deliver that talk, how the feedback helped them and more about their public speaking journey. So you'll get to hear it all. And if you're sort of a timid speaker or if you're still trying to figure out how you want to be on stage and what you want to be talking about, I think you'll really love this episode because we're catching these ladies at different phases of their journey. And some are brand new to speaking. Others are more seasoned and just trying to really discover their voice and discover, you know, more confidence and clarity in what they're sharing. A couple things I want to mention before we jump into those speeches, though. One is the Speaker Sisterhood has just launched a virtual club. And the Speaker Sisterhood right now has only been available to people who live in the areas where the clubs are. But now anybody on the whole planet can join the Speaker Sisterhood virtually. And that means you'll have two meetings. Actually, it's going to be a little bit different. You'll be meeting weekly online with your webcams and you'll be able to see each other and you'll give speeches over the internet. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing a pilot. We're going to try it out. So far, we have a couple of women registered and they are not in the same countries. So very exciting and really excited to see kind of how that works out. You should definitely check it out at speakersisterhood.com. Go to find a club or club directory and you'll see virtual club listed there. Another thing to announce is that we now offer speech and presentation coaching. We have three coaches who are offering feedback on your delivery, your body language, storytelling, advice on how to put together a better speech, all that stuff. So if you're looking for some one-on-one help, you might want to check us out and uh, go to speakersisterhood.com and then check out speech and presentation coaching. So those are my announcements. Today's episode is all about three members from the Northampton Club, Carla Becker, who will be talking to you about osteoporosis and climate change, Lynn Simmons, who will be talking to you about creativity, and Laura Brooks will be talking to you about Zen and Tango. Very cool. I love that these women are coming to the club and talking about subjects they are passionate about. It's so fun to watch someone give a speech about something that's really near and dear to their heart. I hope that comes across as you listen. Enjoy. So I decided to go online and look up a definition. And the definition I wanted to see was Zen. And boy, there were a lot. But this one kind of spoke to me. And it was more like an essay on defining Zen. Zen is like trying to describe the taste of honey to someone who has never tasted it before. You can try to explain the texture and the scent of honey, or you can try to capture it or correlate it with similar foods. However, honey is honey. As long as you have not tasted it, you were in the illusion of what honey is. I thought that was pretty cool. But what I would like to know from you is, who in this room has found what they would consider to be a Zen experience for themselves? Yeah? A few things. Does it, will anybody share? Gardening. Gardening. Nice. Music. Music. Pottery. Pottery. Writing. 
Being outdoors. Being outdoors, definitely. And would you find that your Zen experience, once you tapped into that, it really did start to change the way that you feel that day when you did it? Yeah, and that you miss it on the days that you don't. Yeah, so finding that thing that allows you to step into being really present is definitely an, a universe-changing experience. And I guess that's the whole concept of Zen, is it really does change things for you. And so those of you who have talked to me at all know that I might have had a little bit of a Zen experience back in 2007, the very first time that I took a class in Argentine tango dancing. And it sounds like a crazy thing, you know, everybody's got their adjectives for it, and most people go, oh, it's so sexy, you know. And I had two left feet, so that wasn't sexy at all for quite some time. <laughs> um, but I, as I got on with it, you know, I, I did some transitioning. And initially, what I found was that that Zen experience um, had so many different facets to it that it was far from Zen, right? Because the whole idea of Zen, that whole idea of meditation, you just clear your mind and you're just here now and now and now and now. And when you're learning how to dance, you're not. You're like, is my foot in the right place? Did I do what the other person asked me to do? I have no idea. And you wear really ridiculous looking, very sensible shoes <laughs> because you have to be so flexible while you do that, you know, and, and you're trying to learn. And the thing about tango is, is this the language that's carried on between two people where you actually don't talk to each other. You just feel everything. And so if you will... I would love for you to stand up. Can we pair off? Yes, just two and two and two and two and two. Yeah. So face the person that you paired off with. And if you will, just each take your hands and hold them up in front of your body, right about where your shoulders are. And if your heights are radically different, try to line up a little bit better. And then step a little closer to each other so you can touch hands. Yeah? That's a cute a group of three. I love it. <laughs> An adorable group of three. So now, you, if you give the person that you're standing with hand-to-hand -hand a little bit of presence of pressure, not you're pushing on them, but just a little presence of pressure, you can learn a lot about what they're doing with their body at any given moment. And I would like for you to experiment with changing weight, but one person and then the other, to see if you can feel when the other person is changing weight from their right foot to their left and back to their right again. See if you can feel it. So one is giving the information. The other person is receiving it. See if you can feel that. Yeah? And if you didn't trade already who's giving the information and who's receiving it, will you do that too, please? So if you and if your if your information is not conveying, try to be just a little bit more rigid with your body. If you get all loosey goosey and wiggly, people can't really tell which foot you're standing on. There you go. Better? Yeah. So now I want you to try to fake the other person out. I want you to pretend like you're going to go to that foot, and then I want you to change your mind, but sometimes do, and sometimes don't. And it just won't be. You won't have the assuredness of going left, right, left, right, left, right. <clears throat> Well, that's special. That's good. Good job. Yeah, so do you get the idea? It's like you start to go. You start to go, but then you don't. And you go back to the foot you were standing on before. Like you never actually put your weight over there. Yeah? Okay, thank you so much Music. for trying that out. Yeah. Music changes everything. For sure. So if you can imagine trying to learn a dance where you don't have a rote series of steps that you're always going to take, and that you're literally hanging on the every word of the other person wondering what's gonna happen next, 
that's tango. It's completely improvisational, and it just happens literally one step at a time. And there are absolutely moments where your partner is going to say, we're going to go over here. And then you go with them, and they go, oh, no, we're not. And, and they do that on purpose because when they do, it causes you to whip your leg around in a very sexy way. It's awesome. <laughs> but it takes so long before you get to the point where you can get out of your head and just dance. So if you ever have the opportunity to go to um, a place where the people are dancing tango and they've done it for a little while, you'll look around and you'll realize that some of the people who are following, and I won't say that they're women because they aren't always, but some of the people who are following are dancing with their eyes closed. And it's because they don't need to see where they're going. They know that their partner has them and they're just, they're just going for a really lovely ride, a really lovely ride. And they, have, they, they just trust in the whole process. It takes so long to get there though. So if you go to one yoga class, do you find Zen? You don't. And if you, go, if you decide to go to yoga once every week, do you find the Zen experience? You don't, or if you do, it's like fleeting, right? But when you buy a mat instead of using the one at the studio, and you decide that you're gonna set up a dedicated space in your home, and you do it on a regular basis, you get to this place where it just happens. And that's where I eventually arrived with Tango, and I realized that I couldn't be doing my grocery list I couldn't be thinking about what was for dinner. I couldn't be doing anything else except presenting myself to my partner. My existence and the, and the existence of my partner and what it was that we were going to do together. And we were going to dance. So, thank you. I want to introduce Laura Brooks to the show. Laura, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. So... I'm very excited about the talk you gave last night and that talk that everyone listening to the podcast just heard. But before we jump into your talk, I'd love for you to spend a couple seconds introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you. Sure. Um, so I'm a, um, someone who enjoys public speaking, and um, I'm working on uh, establishing a career as a digital marketing consultant. Uh, so I kind of want to focus a little bit on the educational aspect of that and helping people grow their businesses and understand what needs to happen in today's internet-based market. And so I, you know, feel like this is a good way for me to um, be able to do that better. Awesome. How long have you been speaking? Oh, gosh. Um, I probably started public speaking maybe back in 2010 because I took a an outreach position with the Center for Ecotechnology. So I ended up doing a lot of workshops for the community. Excellent. And what made you want to join the Speaker Sisterhood? <clears throat> uh, well, I really wanted to become a stronger public speaker and hopefully one day be someone who does speaking for public speaking for work. And I felt like while I had a lot of comfort talking to groups that I could get better at kind of like organizing my thoughts ahead of time. I'm the kind of person who just like throws up their hand and volunteers to speak at the drop of a hat and I figure out what I'm going to say at that moment and I think it would be good for me to learn how to not be so on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've only been a member for a couple of months, but has anything surprised you so far about what you've learned about yourself or public speaking? Um, I love how personal the group is and supportive, and I think I was I was probably surprised at just how comfortable everybody was um, talking within the group, and um, I feel like we share some really personal things, and that it's wonderful to have that much of it's like automatic sisterhood. It's interesting. I didn't I didn't expect that to be so. Um, such a present feeling, like, immediately. But it was, which is great. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on why that is? Um, I hope that it's partly because of the feeling that it's a safe space. Um, I sort of feel like we're, you know, we're all in there together. We're circled up around this table. Um, we're we're close. We can really see each other. And it's just, there's just something about the environment even though it's just a you know a boardroom somewhere, it just feels 
um, almost like we kind of leave things at the door. When we walk in, there's a reason why we're there and we just jump right into it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I feel that way too. So you gave a speech last night that everyone just listened to about tango. Why did you pick this topic? Um, Tango was a really formative thing for me. I, I discovered it, I guess, at a time when I needed something that it brought into my life. And it's very, um, you can relate it to, to love really well, the dance of tango. And so I sort of feel like because I love it so much and enjoy it so much that it might end up kind of being um, not only the thing that kind of got me to a better place personally, but that will also be my vehicle for a lot of public speaking, actually. <clears throat> and what was it like preparing for that talk? Well, I sat down with a notebook and a pen and... I kind of just made a quick list of things that I might talk about. And then I filtered the list based on the fact that we were trying to work on audience participation. Um, And I feel like to a certain degree, I usually include the audience, but I wanted to put an extra emphasis on not monologuing um, when I gave the talk. And so as I looked at my topics, I felt like, that was a good topic where I could involve the audience in, you know, kind of thinking about what kinds of things they've gravitated to in their own life for the purpose of feeling connected and present. Mm -hmm. I have to say being a member of the audience and getting to try out tango, and I know you've taught a a version of this before that I I participated in, It was, even though the speech was only seven or eight minutes long, I still got a really strong sense of what is so special about tango and that connection you have with your partner and the fact that it's unspoken, but that you communicate through your bodies. It's such a different way to be in the world. And I think for anybody who's fascinated by that, it would be like the perfect sales pitch because you just get this quick taste of, oh, so this is, this is just a way of being with another person and having this you know, literal dance and, and being able to enjoy the music and the moment. So I think your speech did a really good job of communicating that, but how did you feel the speech went? Um, I felt like it was pretty successful when I got done. Um, I think I wish that I had a couple more minutes to kind of wrap it up a little bit more than I did. Um, because I don't know that I came back around to the um, to the that Zen essence that it has as a final thing, but you know maybe you know just saying you know we're, we're here to dance um, does that, but I would I probably should have wrapped that up a little bit more neatly <laughs> at the end. Um, but it I mean for me it is it is a very Zen experience, and I can't be anywhere but present to my partner at that moment or or it doesn't work you know you you instantly gain two left feet and you can't communicate with each other it's like you're speaking a foreign language if you're if your mind is busy doing anything else and um that's what's beautiful about it <laughs> yeah absolutely and you definitely communicated that to us so one of the big things we do in the speaker sisterhood meetings is we share feedback after each speech both written and verbal so what did you learn from the feedback you received um i think that the the feedback is really helpful and i like the fact that it's both supportive feedback and also um gently given constructive feedback so I got I got a few pointers from people that they also felt like I could, you know, kind of pull the Zen piece back around again a little bit more. Um, and I, I think I learned from that that I probably should have timed myself a little bit more <laughs> when I was trying to think about how my, my speech was going to go so that I wrapped it up better. Um, and, and that um, people did definitely connect to the message and the physical activity that I included, which was great. I was hoping that that would work for people 
to grasp the nuance, and I got a lot of positive feedback around how that did, in fact, um, help them understand. So that was awesome. So that goal you're trying to accomplish of being a more planned speaker, you're starting to see, wow, I need to do even more planning, like preparing and practicing to see if the content matches the time allotted, right? Yes, that's that's definitely the thing that I think I need to focus the most on at this point is that if I've got a certain amount of time to fill, you know, I need to actually, whether I'm standing in front of a mirror or just, you know, like sitting on the sofa speaking to my dog, I should probably um, run a timer. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. I was talking with someone this morning about how when you're on stage, it feels like time and space changes. Sometimes it speeds up and sometimes it slows down. And so the more practice you do before you get there, the better sense you have of how much information and stories Mm -hmm. you can fill in that time. Because like when you're up there, it's so surreal. Like, do you get that? Does that happen to you too? Absolutely. I, I mean, I I remember, you know, last night when I gave the talk, glancing down and realizing that the timer had flipped into red numbers instead of green ones. And I'm like, oh my God, where did that time go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it goes so quickly. <laughs> it does. So now that you've been in the club for a little while and you're starting to give speeches and understanding the community, the culture, the benefits, what would you say to someone thinking about starting a club or joining one? Oh, what a um, what a unique and awesome opportunity this is because I think in general, especially today, that people are getting very um, segmented and separated, you know, through electronic devices. And we spend, I think, more time isolated than we realize. <clears throat> and especially as um, as working women, which I think a lot of us are, you know, we don't necessarily make time in our schedule to do things that I think expand my um, my growth and my week the way that that meeting does. You know, it's such a it's such a wonderful room to walk into, and I look forward to it every week. Uh, and I think that people will find that they're bringing something really vital into their own lives and adding something really vital to their community. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today to share a little bit more about your speech and the thoughts behind it and how you're growing as a result of being part of the Speaker Sisterhood. This episode is all about the inside glimpse into the Speaker Sisterhood. So thank you so much for sharing your experience. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So my question I'd like to ask the group here tonight is how many of you thought about quitting sister speakerhood because of the intense anxiety and emotions that you have in terms of preparing a speech? (laughs) 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 Only one. Well, I'll tell you, Saturday, I had made my commitment that I was leaving, and that I just couldn't take this anymore. It's just too stressful. And here I was, three weeks into this, we had this three-week thing. Sandra even emailed me, and I, you know, I had my idea of doing an osteoporosis thing, and then Saturday I went, I just can't do it. And I'm done. I, you know, I can't do this anymore. It's like, it's, I, I don't want to live in a stressful world. You know, I'm trying to change things. I'm trying to make my life a little happier and more joyous and everything. And yet, I love coming to the meetings. I think everybody's great. And I actually was thinking, I thought, I feel kind of like an intimacy with everybody, even though I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just was like, I just don't think I can do this anymore. So... Suffice it to say, I go off for the rest of the day and come home, and I've got, I get my mail, and I come in, and I've got this book that came to me, and it's called Cooler, Smarter. And it was uh, sent to me by the Union of Concerned Scientists, which is a wonderful organization. Um, they do a lot of work around climate change. So I am sitting there um, looking it over and going, okay, this is it. 
And first of all, by the way, it's really interesting that it was done, delivered to me on Saturday after the week that, uh, from hell or whatever <laughs> that we just had. I thought, boy, that was apropos. What, did they, what were they thinking? Anyway, so I thought, okay, I'll do a thing on climate change. So I'm reading this book, and I really like the first chapter. I think it's great. Can one person make a difference? And I thought, wow, you know, it's true. I, I do all my little things, and I got solar panels and stuff like that on my house, and thinking that I'm doing everything, but do I really feel like I'm making a, you know, stick, you know, I'm really making any effort. And I'm sure all of you guys probably, or I shouldn't put everybody here, but I'm sure we all sort of feel like we're just one person, you know, in this massive world. And are we really actually going to make, you know, if I dry my clothes on the dryer and not use the dryer, is that going to make a change, right? So I'm sitting there, and I have a little glass of wine, and I decided, well, climate change, nobody wants I mean, listen, everybody's talking about climate change. You guys, I'm talking to the choir here, right? Um, and then I had somewhat of an epiphany of sorts. <laughs> I was realizing that climate change is to our planet what osteoporosis is to our bodies. In fact, both of them are symptoms of being out of balance. And so when I started thinking about that, I went, oh my god, it's true. So here we are. I mean, we've got this, this imbalance of our planet, like the climate changes that is, are going on. It's like our planet has been in a homeostasis for a long time. And then it's finally sort of tipping over. And that's kind of what osteoporosis actually is as a, it's a marker. It isn't a disease, but it's a symptom of what, um, if our bodies are out of balance. And uh, last fall, there's a few people still here who heard my fascinating talk about the acid, acid alkaline mm -hmm. diet. But basically, we live in, a, our homeostatic um, place is really very narrow. Um, it's uh, on the pH scale, and I don't know if you guys know what the pH scale is. You could give us the speech next week on that. I would love it. <laughs> but it's basically, um, it's, um, I thought it was the percent of hydrogen in different substances. It's actually the power of hydrogen, which is weird. But to, just to ease, make it easy, one is very, very acidic, sort of like battery acid, and 14 is like super alkaline, like soap. We, and water is seven. It's right in the middle. And so we live, our homeostatic place is very narrow, um, actually 7.3 to 7.4, really, it's, it's really tiny. That's what, that's what our blood levels have to be in order to be healthy. And when you're very, very ill, and I think actually as people are dying, it starts to slip, right, and more into an acidic or, I mean, if you go too alkaline too, you can die. So it can go either way. But I kind of created this little um, sort of, um, goalie, you know, it looks like a little goalie thing, but 6.5 is the pH for urine, and 7.5 is kind of like, let's say, your blood. Our bodies have many, many, many different pHs, so it's constantly working and constantly trying to keep everything in balance. But when we eat too much acidic stuff, or we live in now a climate that is super acidic, I mean, we've got acid rain, we've got EMFs that are all over us, in us, around us, those create acid um, you know, sort of reactions in our body. So in order to balance that, we pull on our bones and we pull the calcium, which is the alkalizing elements, also probably potassium and other things, but we're pulling stuff from our body in order to balance. So oddly enough, even if you're drinking milk, which is an acidic food, um, you're taking that in, and in order to keep it, you know, we always think drink milk for your calcium, but in fact, it's taking calcium. So it's really important to start looking at what is alkaline foods and what's acid foods. Primarily alkaline is um, fruits and vegetables, but you know, there's nuts too. And in terms of acid foods, there's sort of more, um, you know, there's variations like eggs are acid, but they're not as acid as red meat. And the other thing I've kind of realized with my little um, correlation of the climate change and, and osteoporosis is that Red meat is one of those foods that is one of the um, takes the, it has the largest carbon imprint um, to to make it. I mean, just a little couple ounces of meat, you have to have all the you know the fields 
and you know for the cattle and then the feed and the blah 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 you know all this stuff coming in just to get that meat so that actually really does um, changing our diets and becoming more plant-based is kind of a good idea in terms of changing um, one way to help with our climate change but also red meat is probably one of the most acidic foods and I'm not advocating to say be vegetarian but I do think that it, it's, it was an interesting correlation um, in terms of what we eat so one little thing, tidbit, is to um, eat an apple before you go out to dinner because that'll give you a little balance. And um, also I had suggested last time of doing um, apple cider vinegar because that also helps with, you know, putting it in your dressings and things like that. And then with our big, bigger scheme, I guess my point I wanted to say is that we really are interconnected and we are really connected to the earth more than I even thought it. When I had this sort of thought of how climate change and osteoporosis could be connected, I went, oh my God, you know, whatever's happening outside is happening inside. And whatever's happening inside is happening outside. So just to end that note, oh, I still have a minute. No. Oh, I went no, over. <laughs> well, in that case. <laughs> I just wanted to say, I wouldn't have been able to come up with this uh, correlation if I hadn't been coming to Sister Speakerhood. So I want to say thank you. <laughs> okay, I want to welcome Carla Becker to the podcast today. Carla, thanks for being here. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Angela. That I'm. <laughs> I wanted to start by having you just quickly introduce yourself. Well, I am a physical therapist. Um, I live in the um, Amherst-Sunderland area. Um, and have, actually, I grew up here and left for many years and then came back. Um, I am now working. Uh, I've done many, many jobs as a physical therapist, which is kind of exciting. And my latest is working for um, Restore Physical Therapy in Hadley, Massachusetts. And I um, am very interested in uh, specializing more in osteoporosis and how to help people um, overcome that with exercise and um, learning more about how to manage their lives and diet and everything. Excellent. Yeah. And how long have you been speaking? Ooh, not very long. <laughs> I uh, I um, read the newspaper article about your starting this club last August, I think it was. Yeah. And I was so excited because I had been feeling like I wanted to be able to say more. I find myself often having lots to say and not a lot of confidence to express it. So I thought this would be a really neat way to start to learn how to be more confident in speaking and being able to articulate what I want to say. Hmm. So, yeah. I think there are a lot of people who feel that same way, like they're lacking confidence or comfort when it comes to speaking up or giving a presentation, but very few of them would actually take the steps to join a speaking club. What made you... What motivated you to, to come in and check it out? Because it's kind of a scary move. <laughs> well, you're right. I don't know. That's an interesting question because I just remember that I think I was going to go and just check, you know, check you out. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, you have a very friendly face and you're also a very welcoming person, um, which I found has continued throughout the whole process of doing these classes. And, um, and then when I got to the meeting, it was... Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was scary to give it. I think we had to get up and give a two-minute little speech, and we were all nervous and blathering, but it's such a high after you do it. Yeah. You know, you sort of get this, like, whoa, adrenaline rush. And um, so that was neat. And then the people, uh, you know, all the women seemed really, really cool, and I just thought it would be nice to, you know, start to um, get to know more people. It was sort of helping me get out. I, I needed to, I was getting a little isolated um, in my work and home life and whatever. And I felt like I needed a change up as well. So. Oh. so what has surprised you most about what you've learned, 
you know, through going to the meetings and giving speeches and being part of the whole thing? Well, I think um, I think that speaking. Um, I, first of all, I feel that the group is so supportive, and I don't mean in a kind of mamby pamby way. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, like, oh, that was great, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, but that you know, there's a, a true and a genuine support of people. And, and so I, st- I think the thing is, is hearing other people speak and seeing how they're growing uh, with their speeches is just, it's just very exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, that we're all kind of coming, we're kind of moving along together, which is kind of cool. And I guess, as I said, there's this little, when, once I get over my intense procrastination and like I have nothing to say mentality, then it's fun. It's actually really fun. And it's challenging. It makes me have to work and think in a different way. That's a big one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you started your speech, which which everyone just heard on the podcast, by saying, I was thinking about quitting <laughs> and not doing this. What was going through your mind? Because I thought that was such an interesting question. And you know what was most fascinating to me is you asked the audience, has anyone ever felt like that? And nobody raised their hand except for me, because I do feel that way all the time. Not that I want to quit the speaker sisterhood, but that sometimes <laughs> I'm like, why did I sign up to give this speech? Like, no matter where it is. <laughs> and, right, right. I, and I know that... I think everyone was afraid to raise their hand, but I've talked to so many members who felt the same way, like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. It's so scary. But can you talk about why you decided to open your speech with that? Um, well, it's interesting because usually when you, you know, I, what, that, what was holding me back was um, developing a speech was like, okay, I'm, you know, you have to get your, you know, what you're going to, you know, the, the, what you're going to talk about and make those points and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And I just couldn't do that. And I realized that part of the process of this particular speech was uh, as much about my sort of little epiphany um, was um, about the fact of that I was, I went through all this, all this stuff, you know, of I'm going to quit. I can't do this anymore. And I mean, I really, it was painful and that it suddenly changed. And I thought, wow, there's something here. There's something, there's some power in this that is beyond me. And I think that uh, it's great, great for me to go from one extreme to finally pulling it together and being very excited about giving a speech. Yeah, so what made <laughs> <one> you... one day. <laughs> I know, that's great. And sometimes, I know at least for me, sometimes procrastination is a good thing because then you have to sit down and you really have to think through, what am I going to do here? I don't have time to just like play around with this needs to get really serious and I need to finish this. So you mentioned that you got a book in the mail that helped to kind of inspire this connection between climate change and osteoporosis. What made you pick this topic and, and connect the two things and want to present it to the club? Well, I think as a physical therapist, you know, I, I have given that uh, a talk before about osteoporosis, and um, as Sandra has mentioned many times about branding, you know, that maybe this is my brand, is, is um, learning more about osteoporosis and how to um, uh, speak about it and, and help other people learn more about it. Because I think not even if you don't, it's it's not something that... Uh, as I said, it was it's a symptom, and I think that we're all um, susceptible to it, so, and especially as women, so that it's something that we all really need to know about and um, be aware of. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was the, that was my initial thing. But then, as I say, I just was at a loss of like, do I want to just talk about the same thing I talked about before, or um, you know, I didn't know where to go, and then, yeah. Were you asking yourself that question because you were risking sounding boring or one-dimensional or because you wanted to challenge yourself to pick another subject? Or what was going through your mind about that, talking about that? <laughs> challenge is one of the things I want to avoid. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was the opposite. It was the other. It was just like that. This is going to be kind of, you know, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get inspired. Hmm. And even though it's an interesting topic, it was just really hard not to be inspired. So the fact that this concept of, you know, climate change being, you know, a symptom as well as osteoporosis being a symptom of being out of balance. I thought, I thought that was pretty, 
I'm, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How do you feel it went when you were finished giving the speech? Did you feel good about it? What, what was going through your mind? I felt really good. As I say, I feel like sometimes I am a little bit of a rambler. You know, I'm, I, and one of the hard parts uh, about speaking is that you really have to organize. Organizing my thoughts is difficult. I've never been good about writing, you know, um, timeline, you know, line, you know, outlines or any of that stuff. So this is that's my challenge because um, I get the idea and then I kind of have different aspects of what I want to talk about, but I feel like sometimes I'm, I, I take sort of a roundabout way to get there. Gotcha. And so that's the one little, that's an area that I want to work on. So while many people, I've, we've talked about this in class, where they don't want to use notes, I'm almost thinking I just really have to start working on notes more. Mm-hmm. So that's me. Um, but anyway. Um, um, what did you learn from the feedback you received from the group? Was there anything? Um, yeah, I just, well, every, no, everybody was really positive. I mean, what was great was that people enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's always good. You know, I didn't bore them. <laughs> good. So. so my last question is, what would you say to someone thinking about starting a club or joining one? Like if someone said, hey, what's your experience been like? Would you recommend I get involved? What would you say to them? Oh, definitely. I'm I'm talking all over the place because I just think it's the best. I um, I really think um, this is on an, a different level, but I think as w- and this has maybe been said before by other people, but I do feel like as women, you know, we're we're not trained to speak up, and um, so it's it's a really great opportunity to do this and to learn how to do it and with uh, you know with support mm-hmm. and. So I, I just really think it's been, uh, you know, very good for me as um, just, and it's, it's, as I say, I'm not out there blabbing away, but I feel there's a, there's been a subtle change in how I present myself now. Oh, wow. And, yeah. What, yeah. What is the subtle change? Well, let's say <laughs> I could give an example of, you know, sometimes not know when I'm with a patient or something and I'm not really clear what's going on, I can muster up the confidence to say, yep, I don't know, and, but it's okay and that we can move through this or whatever. I mean, I have, it's, it's basically about communication, and I just feel that I'm, communic- I'm able to communicate better. Oh. And I can think things, you know, I'm not always blabbing, you know, just blurting out stuff. It's like taking a little more time to think things through. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, is there yeah. anything else you want to add, Carla? Well, I just think... This, I think you have done an amazing job, as, and I read your article the other day in, um, what was it, Business Week or? Business West. Um, yeah, business, oh, Business West. And I just thought, wow, what a great, um, your story is amazing, and um, that you have followed through, and it's actually coming to fruition. I mean, and you're really helping a lot of women, and it's a joyous experience. So Thank that's you. great. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you know, I think it's really because I understand exactly what everyone, not exactly, but I understand what everyone's going through in the club, you know, finding your voice and feeling that discomfort and fear. It's, it's really cool to be able to sit and and know that like I'm making something that's somehow helping them. It's, it's really fulfilling and it's been a real pleasure to watch your journey too. And I know you, you laugh at yourself a lot and you often feel like, Oh, this is hard. This is uncomfortable, but you're doing a great job. And it's, it's really, really cool to, to see and to just like have the, the um the gift to witness it so thanks oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you thank you right (laughs) well thanks for coming on the show today i'm very excited to be featuring you and looking forward to more from you great thanks a lot I'm going to give you a little synopsis about a book I'm currently obsessed with by Linda Berry called Syllabus. Yes. Um, I know you're a fan. Um, It's amazing, and it's been inspiring me the last couple weeks. Um, The second I picked it up, I was like, okay, I know what my speech is going to be about. So um, just looking at it, you want to look into it, don't you? I mean, look at this. I mean, just look at it. So Linda Berry is an extraordinary person, a thinker artist, um, and encourager of creative, of creativity. And, um, 
her basic, if I'm just going to whittle it down, her basic idea is creativity keeps you sane and getting in touch with your creative self keeps you sane. Um, she's a cartoonist, so her medium is drawing. So um, this book is about a couple of classes that she taught about creativity um, that focused on drawing and images. Um, she gave some awesome speeches that I suggest you look up that I watched a couple of times um, about creativity. Um, some of the things that she said that really struck a chord with me, because um, she also talks, she's into like neuroscience in the brain, so the courses that she teaches are about creativity, they're very hands-on, they're very like kind of weird, like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in terms of like listening and watching and drawing and um, keeping journals and um, also thinking about how the brain, doing some readings on how the brain reacts. So she um, shared some information about MRIs that they did on um, adults who were in a state of uh, focused creativity. Their brains were totally active the same as a child who was in, immersed in full play. So she calls, um, she referred to being creative as deep play, which I really like. It's, it's something that we all, most children, most of us hopefully are allowed to ex uh, you know, explore that, but it seems like an innate thing that children want to draw. Like you, you, know, you want to draw, you, wanna, you get attached to a blanket or a, an, uh, you know, a bear or whatever, and you put something, it's, it means something more than just a, a blanket or a bear or whatever. Um, so she had this really um, touching story about um, a man, so this neuroscientist named um, Ramachandran, that she really likes his work, he worked with phantom limb pain, and he worked with a client who, this man had lost his hand, and he um, was feeling like he had a clenched fist where his hand used to be. And it was constant pain that was getting worse. It was like the hand was like clenching harder and harder and harder. And it was like starting to mess with his whole quality of life. And um, he was not being able to sleep. And what do you do when you, there's pain and there's no, you know, there's no hand, you can't treat it. So the scientist, um, had him, so he, the scientist put a mirror in a box, he put a hole in the box, and he had him put his intact hand into the box with a fist, and then he said, open your hand, and he opened his hand, and seeing two hands open cured his hmm. pain. So that, I know, it's, it's like chills. <laughs> um, so she likens that to us all having emotional um, limb a phantom limb pain it's from grief or trauma, you know, we, and we need to get that out, and she thinks that images are healing. Um, and when she said that, I thought of myself, because when I was 20, my mom died, and I felt like I was an amputee. I referred to myself as an amputee, because I had this pain that was, like, invisible, and um, I wanted people to be able to see it sometimes. Um, but I started songwriting, and um, that totally saved my life. It completely saved my life. And um, when she talked about images, I realized, and I've never actually put this into words, but every song I have, in order to remember it, there's like this storyline image that goes along with the song. And I've never really consciously thought about that about how, I mean, songs provide images as well. I mean, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be like a physical image. It's like stories have images, songs have images. Um, so that's that story. And I want us to do an activity. It's going to be my audience interaction. Um, and that is based on the Ivan Brunetti style, which Linda Berry talks about in her book. Um, and we're all going to draw a self-portrait. And it's going to be a really simple style. Circle for a head, rectangle, or I do a triangle because I wear skirts a lot. Um, simple <laughs> limbs, and then simple features. 
there is my quick self-portrait as me. <laughs> and what's cool is that the more you do it, the more of the, your authentic sort of creative self will all do it, but we'll, every single one's going to look totally different. And you have one minute to do it, and while you do it, I'm going to read a poem because another thing that she does is sort of have you do an active listening while you're doing a drawing. I'm going to read a Charles Bukowski poem. I apologize if you're easily offended because Bukowski is like a drunk, talks about whores. I tried to find the most, like, least offensive one. <laughs> but they're just so good and I love them. And it took me about a minute to read this poem out loud. So I'm going to read the poem out loud. And when I'm done with the poem, you should be done with your self-portrait. Nice. Everybody clear on what we're doing? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one, begin. Night school. In the drunk driver's class assigned there by Division 63, we are given tiny yellow pencils to take a test to see if we have been listening to the instructor. Questions like, the minimum sentence for a second drunk driving conviction is A, 48 days, B, 6 months, C, 90 days. There are nine other questions. After the instructor leaves the room, the students begin asking the questions, hey, how about question five? That's a tough one. Did you talk about that? I think it's 48 days. Are you sure? No, but that's what I'm putting down. One woman circles three answers on all questions, even though we've been told to select only one. On our break, I go down to drink a can of beer outside a liquor store. I watch a black hooker on her evening stroll. A car pulls up. She walks over and they talk. The doors open. She gets in and they drive off. Back in class, the students have gotten to know each other. They are not very interesting bunch of drunks and ex-drunks. I visualize them sitting in a bar and I remember why I started drinking alone. The class begins, and it is discovered that I am the only one who to have gotten 100% in the test. I slouch back in my chair with my dark shades on. I am the class intellectual. <laughs> That's the end, yeah. And would you flip? And would you be so kind as just like show your self portrait? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Oh, they're all so good. I love it. Welcome, Lynn, to the show, uh, Lynn Simons. <laughs> we were just joking about whether or not she should say her full name, and we're going with the full name. So, yeah. Lynn, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Before we jump into the conversation, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am... Well, I guess my biggest passions are music. I'm a musician. I'm in a band. I've been writing music for... I don't know, like over 10 years, probably 15 years now. Um, and uh, that's probably my biggest, most exciting thing about myself. <laughs> um, and also I am, I recently did a yoga teacher training. So I'm now a yoga teacher. Um, and then I also work a, a job to make money. Right. <laughs> and that's how long? A, that's another thing. <laughs> how long have you been speaking? I guess I joined your club in September, so I've been, yeah, so that's been like, what, nine months? Yeah. Nice. What made yeah. you want to join the Speaker Sisterhood? Um, my friend and also bandmate um, messaged me about the club, and uh, it was when you were offering a sort of free trial, mm -hmm. and I immediately was like, I want to do that, and I had never even intentionally thought about public speaking um, but once I saw the, your video and the introduction about it, I knew that I wanted to do it. And that was a really good skill to have for so many reasons. I mean, I, I get up in front of people and I perform, I get up in front of people to teach them yoga. So, you know, everything you're, a lot of things that I'm interested in doing have to do with kind of per performing and being confident and, um, speaking. So it was totally up my alley. So I joined and have been participating ever since. Awesome. And what, what has surprised you about what you've learned from your experience? Um, well, how 
challenging it is and how stressed out I get when I <laughs> the days that I choose to to make a speech and I have an interesting you know conversation with myself about it where I I usually and I do this a lot too when I with performance where I um I generally think I'm pretty g- cool and I've got I'm like I got this and I can just get up in front of people and I can you know I can make a speech I'm going to do awesome I'm going to be amazing and then you know actually doing it or actually preparing for it seems is gets way more like complicated than I than I uh, anticipate. Um, and then the act of doing it is always like when you're in the moment, like you can prepare a lot, you know, for something. Um, and then in the moment is always so different, like doing a show live and then doing a, it, no matter how much you've practiced and then doing a speech live, even to like, you know, it's a really chill atmosphere. It's like 10 women in a room. It's like not a big deal, <laughs> but it feels like a really big deal. It feels like I want it to be, I want everyone to be, I want to change everyone's lives. I mean, I get a little too intense about it. I want everyone to be like blown away by yeah. what I say. So I just need to like, I realize it's a, it's a good humbling to my ego, you know, to just be like, you, I want to make, I want it to be a really good speech, but I don't need to like change, you know, the world, <laughs> like, you know, so, um, I've, it's it's cool to just be able to say you know I just want to make a really good speech I don't need to like change everyone's lives life tonight it's it's all right maybe you can work up to that <laughs> do you tend to put yourself under that type of pressure for other things in your life too um hmm no not really actually not uh not outside of like like my my performance kind of um, self, I guess. I mean, I can't think of another, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking of like at my like nine to five job or at my, I don't have the same like passion and intensity of like wanting to change lives. I think of that more as like my, even though I do, I mean, I'm a good employee and a good worker, but I don't like come in with the same enthusiasm that I do it as things that I feel that I am personally doing for myself that I am connected to, you know, like Mm -hmm. my songs or a speech that I've written myself of a topic that I am personally very attached to and interested in. Yeah. Last night's speech I felt was something you were very passionate about. You shared poetry, you shared Linda Berry's work. You had us draw Mm -hmm. (laughs) all in seven minutes. So why did you pick this topic and, and those components? Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, other work as well. I'm in a group called the artist's way which is a book by um oh god I'm gonna julia cameron Cam- thank you julia cameron um and my my friend dana and also she's in my band she's she runs that group so um that's also been another thing that i'm doing along with sister speakerhood and my band that are like these really great creative outlets for me and so through dana actually i mean that that speech was really influenced by the artist's way Um, she's having us, she had us do self portraits. I think she was also influenced by Linda Berry and she's herself an artist. So, um, and, and I just found doing the, cause I'm, I've been a person who always said that I couldn't draw. And then when I picked up this book, her whole thing is everyone can draw. You just have to do it. And I felt like a hypocrite because people tell me that they, when they find out that I could sing, I'm a really good singer and, and people say, Oh, I can't sing to me all the time. And I always say to them, you can sing, your voice is an instrument, you just need to practice it. And then I was like, I just was like, I, why did I think that I couldn't draw? <laughs> yeah. You know, like all these blockades that we put in, in front of ourselves. So um, I was really, I've been just really excited about the book. I picked it up at the library and I've been so psyched about it. So um, I wanted to share it. And um, I just think that creativity and finding yourself is probably the best thing that we can be doing in the world right now <laughs> to save ourselves. It's yeah. gotta be like a creative solution. And if we're going to go down, we might as well go down like smiling and being creative. <laughs> so. so while you're talking about something you love so much in a speech, how do you feel? Can you feel that there's this excitement in your body or what is it like? Well, last night when I was talking, um, what was interesting is that I, um, I do feel the excitement and passion, but I also mentioned that my mom died, which is a very uh, 
huge thing that happened to me in my life. And when, and when I was practicing the speech, I was practicing that day. I mean, I got emotional, you know, well, I got emotional during the part of the, um, speech that Linda Berry gave that I was listening to when she was talking about, you know, trauma and, um, grief and likening it to phantom limb pain. Um, because that's how I felt when I lost my mom, that I had like lost a limb, like it was something was missing. Um, and so when I was talking about it in the speech, I got unexpected, not on, I shouldn't even say unexpectedly. I should have expected to get like emotional, but I noticed that my like breathing kind of, you know, changed and my voice got a little bit more clamped up like my throat and, um, it was harder to get through actual words. So just making myself vulnerable, like, and, and it's a group, it's a safe space, you know, it's not, um, I, I don't fear anyone's judgment. It's my own. It's just interesting to see what comes up when you actually share something, you know, so, so deep and then, and then still get through it and try and not, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not very comfortable getting emotional in front of people. Um, so that's something that I want to examine and work on. And I want to get comfortable getting emotional in front of people because the best artists that have influenced me are not, are comfortable getting emotional, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, I felt like that was a really good moment for me to be uncomfortable up there and still be totally supported, you know, yeah. and be able to take some feedback on it as well. Yeah. I've noticed most of your speeches are about your work or your interests, but not a lot of personal stories. So when you brought up your mom last night, I thought, Oh, she's, she's going to go there. And you only went there for maybe 30 seconds and totally. then you went back to the skills and I thought, Oh, yeah. she's like dipping her toe into this. So yeah. it's cool to hear that you are thinking about it and you recognize that that's something you want to work on. Cause it would be great to see you give a speech that's purely about an experience in your life that brings up some some sort of emotion just so you can experience mm -hmm. that yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I'm working towards it yeah <laughs> and also it was a time constraint too because I'm like I also get like I, I it's really hard to keep a speech to the the seven you know five or seven minutes for some reason I mean that's surprising to me too like how fast the minutes go by when you're <laughs> yeah <laughs> preparing speech and there's you know there's so much I want to say I want to make sure I make these certain points so there's also on top of like I wanted to say this emotional thing and it didn't even occur to me that I was like basically like oh by the it sounded basically like I was like and my mom died but anyway so blah 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 you know I didn't intend for it to like be so quick it just sort of happened that way and also I just wanted to get this other stuff in before the time was out, you know, I wanted to make sure I touched upon all this stuff. So anyway, it's, it's all like a learning experience. Like I know now I can like restructure a speech to yeah. make it like, maybe I would introduce it. Maybe I would just start off and get that out of the way or something <laughs> like start with the emotional stuff. So then I can like maybe be with it a little bit and then lead on to how, you know, how it affected everything else. I could have done that now. About it. <laughs> yeah, just keep experimenting with it. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. after your speech, you got some feedback from the members. Was there anything you heard that was helpful or that changed your mind about what you were thinking or that, you know, is still with you today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, what we just talked about, because I, I did get the feedback that you just said how, how I kind of dipped into it and then and then went back like some someone in the group said, I noticed that you, you, you know, I'm really glad that you shared that. But I noticed that you you kind of like shared it and then you brought it back. And for us, it was, it was like, wow, you just shared this really intense thing. And then we, and then we didn't have time to sit with it. Yeah. So, um, I thought that was really good feedback. And, um, you know, I took that to heart and was like, okay, I can, it's okay for me to be emotional and vulnerable around, especially a group of women who I've already got, I've gotten to know pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there was some comments about my, I, I get really, even like right now, I'm totally gesturing my hands <laughs> while I'm talking to you. Even the kids. Like I, I get very, when I get excited about things, I get very like animated. Yeah. So I'm glad that that comes through. I think it's a good, uh, a good thing to have when you're speaking. Cause it's something you don't want someone to be like stoic or look really nervous. So I got some feedback that I certainly like moved a little bit more when I was obviously passionate about something. Um, so I'm, I was glad to hear that instead yeah. of like, I hope I didn't say um a lot too. That's it. I got feedback from that from another, from months ago, I got, someone said, you said um a lot. And I was like, oh, good feedback because I don't <laughs> want to say um. So 
I don't ever, I, I just try and be careful about the ums. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like paranoid that I've been saying um this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't stood out to me, but we can listen back because okay. it's being recorded. <laughs> so we'll check okay. it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so what, <laughs> I just said, um, what would you say to someone who's thinking about starting a club or joining one now that you've had a lot of experience in the meetings and what can come from being a member? Um, I, um, (laughs) sorry, I, I already want to tell, I think of people, I just saw a friend of mine who I was like, oh man, she would be good. She she should join the the speaking group. Um, I think of that all the time, just, uh, women that I know who are, um, strong and they have, uh, ideas and they have, you know, things they want to be doing and whether or not it has to do, uh, with public speaking specifically, um, like teachers that I know, you know, uh, social workers, I have a lot of social worker friends. I think that it can come in handy for just your self-confidence and just um, practicing using your voice. And also it's a fun activity to do. It's kind of like being in a class or um, being in school again, because when you choose to do a speech, you have to do some research and you have to practice it and you have to devote time to it. So it's like you have homework and I really like that. Um, I like the challenge of like having homework again because it's homework that I, I really want to be, you know, I'm really excited about doing. And um, even if it's just in your everyday, even if you don't like get up in front of like a panel or, or a group of people to actually make a speech, um, I think that we all at some point have to be in some sort of role where you're you're performing, you know, even if you're just like a vendor at like a farmer's market. I'm just thinking of like random things that you wouldn't think of every day of like it just helps you communicate better, I think. Yeah. Um, and also delve more maybe more into a topic that you're interested in and um, find out more about yourself in the process. Mm hmm. I found that when I started learning public speaking, I became better at conversation because I felt more Mm. confident expressing myself. And I didn't realize that those two things would be so connected for some reason, (laughs) even though it's just pretty much the same thing. But yeah, that that definitely connects. So anything else you want to mention before we jump off? I know. I thought this was really, this was pretty thorough and good. Talked about a lot of things. (laughs) Cool. Good. <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> well, thanks yeah. for coming on the show. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed the second half of my special celebration episode. If you did, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It only takes a second and it helps more people to find my show. Also, I want to do another Q&A episode. If there's something you want to hear about or if you have a question and you just would love to hear how I answer it or you really are interested in, in, in growing that way, please send me an email with your question. Send it to Angela at speakersisterhood.com and your question could be featured on an upcoming episode of Claim the Stage. Well, that does it for me this week. I look forward to connecting with you again next Wednesday. All right, guys, as always, stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.